It really is the number one question I get as a coach, you guys. It is how did you scale your business to seven figures all organically? Give me your sales process, right? And I've definitely broken this down before. There's plenty of podcasts I've created on DM strategy, but I wanted to take this a little bit further and bring in Samantha Harris, who is a lead gen and sales expert herself. She's been in my business for a while as well to talk about why you're stuck, how to get unstuck and go all the way to that seven figure mark. And we're really diving into what has worked for both of us, uh, trends we've noticed, problems that we see constantly time and time again and solutions. And ultimately, after you listen to this podcast, you are gonna have so much clarity in your sales process entirely and how to continue scaling to that next income level. Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHaze. I'm obsessed with all things business and fitness. I left my career as a TV reporter, followed my dreams, and created a seven-figure online coaching business in just two years. Now I'm sharing my proven strategies with you. Oh, and we'll keep it real, discussing mindset, money, and hardship to help you build the life of your dreams. Grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. Welcome to the Taylor DeHaze podcast. I'm so glad you're here. What's up guys? All right, this is actually, Sam, this is our second podcast. And I think that we should go back and listen to the first one we did like over a year ago and just giggle, giggle, because I don't know about you, but do you feel like business? Like, it's like, damn, have I grown that much? Like, do you ever feel like that? Yeah, I definitely feel like that. Especially also in the last year, I think we've kind of rounded that corner from like the weird pandemic times. And now everyone's kind of getting resettled in. And there's also just a new energy about business now than like during the pandemic times when we kind of recorded that. So yeah, I and I also I just feel like we've grown up a lot since then too. We both were only like a couple years into being full time in business. And now it's like year three. So a lot has changed, I feel like. It's wild. It's wild. Okay, so Sam, um, tell us a little bit about your, um, just kind of like what you do and how you got into sales, because I really do think that you have such a unique, um, I don't know, like you're not just like a legion person, like somebody can't just like go and hire you for the DMs or whatever, but you've got such a unique skill set. And I feel like you have your hands in like lots of businesses doing different things in different parts of the sales process. So tell us kind of like what your expertise is. Yeah. So my background did not have sales before I came into the online space. Really. I really learned as I went. I remember before I even got into the online space, I would cringe at the thought of sales. And now I realize that's only because I had been made to feel uncomfortable in sales processes with other people before. But then joining the online space, I realized when you really stand behind something that you're selling, it's a totally different energy and it can be really fun. So I started out as a virtual assistant and I was doing a lot of social media things for my clients and also engagement was part of that. I was doing Instagram engagement for a lot of different businesses and that kind of morphed into people asking me, oh, can you help me with finding leads, things like that. And then I just started getting like more and more involved in the sales process for my clients. And it just really took off from there. I got really into how to create organic sales through like content and things like that. Um, and like I mentioned, I just kept getting more involved. It went from sourcing leads for my clients and doing engagement to carrying the conversations and nurturing them 
them, then getting hired to do the sales calls, um, also just to complete the sales process, like all the way into client onboarding and things like that. So it really just took off out of nowhere. I have no, like looking back now, I would have never imagined that I'd be in such heavy sales roles for my clients. I always thought I'd be really into social media, which I still am, but I realized that it just always comes back to the sales process. Cause I don't just create content for nothing. I create it to encourage the sales process and nurture the sales process now. So in short story form, that's basically how I got into this. TLDR, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's, it's just cool to kind of see how you've evolved. Um, and I think any business owner can kind of say that. And so guys, just so you know, like Sam and I, we kind of go way back. Um, Sam was the first person I ever hired to be in my DMs, like ever. Um, she was around when I like was first figuring out what the hell DMs kind of were. Um, and got the hang of it. And now she is part of Fitness Coach Academy and does the sales coaching in there. Um, and so that's kind of how we are connected. Um, and so, you know, together, Sam and I, I would say we're both pretty fucking good at selling and we both like talking about it. And it's the topic that is the most asked and the most avoided by people that are starting a business or building a business, right? Because you know, we'll kind of talk about different things in this conversation for beginners, intermediate, all the way up to seven figures. But the premise of this is to kind of talk about how we have built these multi six and seven figure companies through organic sales. And Sam and I are both heavy, heavy pushers for organic. Um, I'm not saying I'll never use ads, but I'm just saying if you're out there and you have currently been told to run ads, um, you don't need to, can you just like share your thoughts on that for a second? Cause I feel like it's so, it's such a thing with coaches right now. Yeah. I, so one thing for me, typically the type of business that I work with is trying to hit their first six figures or scaling to a million. And that's where we were whenever you and me started working together and where you were at in your business. And I'm just a firm believer of if you're trying to hit your first six figures or even scale to the seven figure mark that you can stay only within organic content to produce that, you know, income goal that you're trying to achieve. I don't think you need to put money into ads just yet, because I think the money should be going towards other things in your business and, you know, developing the systems there. And then when, you know, maybe when you're definitely in the multi six figure or you've surpassed the seven figure range, I feel like that's whenever you can start dabbling into, into ads because you have the results, your offers are solid. You have just like all the foundational pieces that you need and the stability you need to be running ads because I see some people start and try to run ads when they don't even know if that's the offer they want to have for the next couple years. There's no stability there with their offer suite either. And they're, you're still figuring things out. So I feel like you definitely can run ads, but if you want that stability in your business, you should start organic first and then go from there. I'm with you. And I think like, and we'll dive into this, like, why we're both so such huge proponents of running or not running ads and going the organic route is because people are so afraid to get in the DMs and do the doing because it is so glamorized on social media of starting this business, 
working two hours a day, having this dreamy life. And it's fucking bullshit. Like it really, really is. I mean, never in my life have I ever met somebody who is running a seven or eight figure business. And it's like, yeah, I work two hours a day. It's literally not possible. And the only time I've heard that, I feel like it's coaches where they are, their, their retention is awful. They're not putting their clients first. They're not coaching their clients. Like, let me rephrase. Maybe they are putting their clients first, but they've totally outsourced all of their coaching. And so again, that is one way to run a business, but that style of coaching will likely not get you much further than that seven figure mark. Um, and it likely will not be sustainable, right? Because ultimately clients catch on and I mean, I'll leave it at that. Like, they're in my DMs is all I'm saying. I see you guys in my DMs, all right? So, <laughs> I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of like, and again, I'm not going to say like, oh, I love hustle culture. That's not what I'm saying. But what are your thoughts on just like fucking putting in the work? Yeah, I think that a lot of people are trying to figure out how quickly can I outsource because that's the hot topic, how to get yourself out of your business faster but in reality you end up not knowing what's really going on or getting to talk to your clients and you're not getting to interact with them and hear their words so you can continue to develop and make things better and just grow there so i think sometimes people remove themselves too quickly and then they're just so out of touch with their business and then from there you have no idea how to grow because you don't actually know what's going on in the business and i feel like that it that makes sense with like what you were saying about how it's not sustainable whenever you're outsourcing so many things too quickly and that's just because you like i said you just don't know what's going on well enough and you're just i mean i said it a couple times you're just really out of touch so to be able to really I'm like losing my train of thought of what I'm trying to say, but to be, to really be able to grow sustainably, you have to stay involved for a decent amount of time, like probably the first five years of your business to be real. Well, and not everyone is going to scale at the same level that maybe I did. Right. And I would say that hitting my first million in two years is pretty fast. Yep. Um, and I know that I am one of those like can't stop, won't stop kind of people, but that's also me. Like I, I truly do not experience burnout because I feel so aligned, like sparkly emoji, sparkly emoji. Um, you know what I mean? Like with everything I do in my business and to your point, I know what's going on. Like I don't micromanage my team, but I feel like I have a great relationship with everyone that I work with and everybody that is on my team. And I feel like there is like, it, it's, it's been um, a goal of mine to really start to build like company culture. And so it's something that I want to do in the next six months is have like a retreat for my team um, and start doing that like once or twice a year, because I think it's just so necessary. Right. And I was talking with my OBM Jenna about this um, recently, but she made a comment where she, she said something like, your team is so exclusive. Like you have the most exclusive team, I swear, because, you know, everyone on my team for the most part pretty much just works with me in the capacity that they do. And not everybody is full time necessarily, but I'm very fortunate that my OBM doesn't have 10 other clients, right? Like she can focus on my shit. Um, my sales team, you know, they've got other things, other parts of their business where, you know, my DM people, it's not like they have 10 people that they're in their DMs all day. So I'm with you. And also like business gets to be fun. Like you want to love the people you hire. You want 
you want people to show up for you the same way you show up for them, right? And so it all starts with that like leadership potential. So we could talk a whole other podcast on leadership, but for the sake of DMs and what you guys really came here to learn about, here's how we're going to break this down. We're going to go over sticking points you guys talk about. Okay, that's going to be the first kind of round. Then we're going to dive into problems that we see with our clients and then solutions. And then we're going to have some fun at the end, which is some BS and mistakes we've made and all of those things. So let's start out with some sticking points. I feel like everyone is like, where do I source? How do I source? Tell me your method for sourcing. I think a lot of people, when they source, they immediately wonder what are, who are, who are my competitors? How can I go into their followings and take those people? But for me, I think about who you're actually trying to reach what their interests are and what, where, who could they be following? So for example, obviously we work with fitness coaches. A lot of people want to go to fitness oriented groups or pages and things like that. And I'm like, no, what are their interests? What influence, what influencers do they follow? What clothing brands do they wear? What do they eat? Where are they hanging out? Those are the things that I go to because I don't want to go where you know, all the other fitness people are because it just feels a little saturated. They might already have the answers. I want to find the people that don't have the answers yet who are maybe a little bit interested. Um, I mean, one person that I was talking to today in FCA, they were asking where to source their leads from. So I asked who's their ideal client and they were saying somebody who's interested in fitness, but they don't know how to weight lift. And I was like, okay, well, where are they at? Cycling classes, Pilates, um, yoga, things like that. Go source from those types of studio pages. Pages because those people probably aren't lifting right now, but they're interested in fitness. So I try and think a little bit outside of the box instead of going to where the obvious, you know, answers are within other fitness pages and things like that. And one way that I like to coach sourcing is think about, I, I have my clients even, okay, I actually do this every like six months or so, four to six months, because as you grow as a coach in your business, your ideal client evolves, right? Like the client that I was working with when I was making, you know, 10K months is very different than the client that I'm working with as I'm making 100K months. It's very different. And so you need to make sure that you're constantly evolving. So like the sources that are getting you the best leads now, you're probably going to outgrow them in six months, right? So something that I like to do is uh, create what I call like a Um, You can call it like an empathy map. You can call it a a, like a nurture map, whatever the hell you want to call it. But essentially create a narrative for your ideal client. And there may be different archetypes underneath this. But from the time they wake up until the time they go to bed. Right. Just give me a rundown. So if we're talking about oh, she's like a I don't know, a mom, for example. All right. Mom wakes up uh, sprinting to get kids, kids lunches made to too busy to get herself breakfast. So she grabs a Nutrigrain bar, runs out the door, um, gets Starbucks, you know, gets to work, forgets to eat her lunch uh, or pack her lunch rather, orders takeout, gets home, too tired to cook, gets her kids, you know, everything's made for the kids, has wine, popcorn, chocolate, goes to bed, right? Okay, there's a million problems that are wrong with this day, right? There's so many things that, that are wrong with this. With that being said, you can get so many, so many nuggets, right? Okay. Wine. She's a wine drinker. Okay. Where can we go with that? Okay. She's a mom. Can we find some Facebook groups that are specifically working with like, there's so many out there. There's just like, so when you better understand your client, I think, I think it, it's less about how do we source and more about who the hell are you trying to even sell to? And people are like, I don't know, busy millennials. That's not a niche. 
Like in case anyone needed to hear that, like busy millennials and high achieving women, like that's not a niche, you know what I mean? So I think it's that people get so caught up with just like who they're even targeting that they can't even find sources and they just, they think of like, okay, who are some influencers I followed for a while that are like fitness coaches? I'll start there. Right. And that's like, yep. what's the mistake that you typically see with sourcing? Uh, going to places that are really saturated with fitness people already, like we talked about. Um, also looking in, I think one thing that comes up a lot in FCA is people saying, oh, there's only private accounts on this page. And obviously that's a way harder, you know, obstacle to overcome is a bunch of private accounts. So where are the accounts that are going to have the more social people, outgoing people, people want to, who want to share their lives and things like that. Um, and you're going to have to dig a little bit for those, but I know with the FCA students, we've been able to figure that out. We've been able to find better sources for them with more followers that have the public pages to talk to them. Um, but yeah, I would say like, uh, the root of it is what you said, you really not understanding who you're actually trying to find and source from. And you're just reverting to the simplest of things and trying to find people who are already interested in fitness and probably already have their answers and solutions there in front of them and they're acting on them. Yep. So again, I know sourcing may be a very like basic topic and we're going to dive into higher level, um, sourcing or higher level DMing in a bit, but that is the biggest question that I feel like I get is that people just can't get the ball rolling. And it is true. If you don't have good sources, you're not going to get good at anything else, right? Like the way that I like to describe kind of anything like DMing, whatever practice it is, like I'm talking to health, fitness, wellness coaches, right? So like the first time you squatted, you probably did a body weight squat. You probably didn't put a barbell on your back. Like the first time ever, okay? So if you're out here thinking, oh my God, Taylor's making all this money in the DMs, why the fuck am I not? Then you're already setting yourself up for failure because three years ago, I figured out how to source, right? And now I don't even think twice about sourcing. It just is really easy. So you're still in that part where the sourcing is the challenging component potentially right now. Um, Okay. Next problem I see is getting any response and traction between content and like it actually resonating enough for somebody to like DM you. What are your, cause you're, you're great with content. So I'd love to know kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that a lot of content is really repetitive for a lot of people in, you know, trying to reach that first six figures in their business or even their first $5,000 month. But they look at what everyone else is post posting and that's fine in the beginning just to get your feet wet and get the ball rolling and stuff like that. But I think you want to learn how to have their, those more vulnerable conversations, those hard hitting topics, other than just teaching people all these simple things, but like tap into the emotional side of it. That's what people really like reading about, or even going a layer deeper within the educational side of things. Like most topics have been, like I said, talked about a lot. People generally know about them, but how can you go a little bit deeper with all of those topics there? And also be vulnerable first within your content so you can open the door for your leads to feel like they can be vulnerable with you too. You have to like set that energy there and that will transfer into how people want to interact with you. I swear people have the hardest time with that. And the more you grow, the more vulnerable you need to become, right? Like it's not something that slows down. And 
I think people look at content as one thing and DMing as one thing. And while they are two separate tasks, like when I talk about outbound sales, it's all part of the process in, in the way that I coach and in my head, right? Like I create content to inspire, to teach and to motivate, right? And all three of those things, if you can inspire, teach and motivate, somebody will take action, right? But if your content is just five ways to get more protein in, five easy ways to make food this week, like, you know, education is definitely needed, okay? I will say, it definitely is. But it's those posts that you make, at least for me, and I know you can probably say the same thing, where you just get really open about your story or a time that something really freaking sucked or a time that something was really amazing, right? Like um, yesterday on my story, you know, I was, it was one of those days I was in a work hole and I, I love my work holes because they're like makeup free, probably like day five of my hair being washed or like not being washed. Um, and I just don't give a fuck. I'm like in creative energy mode and I wasn't even gonna put my face on my story yesterday, but I just got so much done and felt so good. And I think that so many entrepreneurs that I work with, like the, my ideal client, the person that can't get out of their own way to get to that next income level. And so for me to like show up just like bare face, not giving a shit, being like, Hey, today was fucking awesome. Like was yours. And people are going to think to themselves, no, but she makes it look like it could be really fucking easy. You know what I mean? And I think people really relate to that. Um, so I don't, I don't know what you have to say kind of about vulnerability. If you have anything to add or like ways to be more vulnerable, but I think that's always a struggle and it really does show in a lack of sales. Yeah, absolutely. I think that a big part of it is people just being really unsure about how people will react to certain things. Or I know some people are just a little bit more private and you can be vulnerable to the extent that you feel comfortable with. Vulnerability doesn't always have to mean, let me tell you about all these traumatic things that happened in my life, but it can just talk about the real things that you're dealing with on the day to day. You don't have to go super deep with it or anything, but just like being an open person, I think is just the key to it. Um, I think another layer too that we hear a lot about is just people being like, I don't want to show my face or, you know, the way I look and things like that. And for actually for the first time in my life, I feel like I've struggled with that in the last year of overthinking. Like I see myself on video and I don't know, I don't like the way that I look or why did I say something like that? And you kind of just second guess yourself. But I think at the end of the day, and I, I have to work through this on my own all the time, but it's like, I just need to post and go away. I can't go back and rewatch my stories all the time. I can't think too much. I just need to put things up, show up, not like write 10 different drafts of it. Just go with the first draft, put it up and then walk away and that's it. And I don't let myself go back and delete things. Um, Cause I think that is a very real thing that people deal with. I think Taylor, you probably don't deal with that as much cause you've just been on camera for like the last decade. Um, but I know that's something we hear a lot just with our students and just in general from people online too. I think that's like another part of vulnerability that's maybe not just the emotional side, but it's like having to deal with like, oh, I have to show the world who I am in a physical sense too. And that can be tough. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I, I think about that a lot on a personal level. Like, was it TV? But I think it was just like always me, but I wasn't always like the most confident necessarily, but I haven't been afraid to put my voice out there. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, 
And I think what really gets me through those tough days, because I know like when you first started, well, when I first met you, I mean, I met you after the shit storm that was 2019 for me. And I also met you in the shit storm of my health journey. So mm -hmm. like, I just remember like, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm not loving my body as like a self-confidence thing, but like, I was like sick, you know, like my hormones were so fucked. And so for me, I was like, God, there's no way I can love this body because I'm just like so uncomfy in it. And so I was always the fit girl. And like, I felt like, you know, I mean, when you just magically gain 40 pounds overnight, quite literally, it, it really changes you. So I, I was looking at like, you know, I've recently been doing a bunch of new kind of like brand shoots, having fun with them. And I look at my photos from last year and this year and like my smile is just so different. And so it's like, I can just tell that I, I don't know if there's, this is correlation or like necessarily or causation, but like, there is a reason that since I've moved to Texas in April, like I've hit my biggest month, like month after month after month after month. And I've also like my body has gotten better and better and better because I'm finally like feeling like myself again. So I do totally hear you. Like when you feel really comfortable and confident, you're going to show up more authentically and you're going to make more sales because people are naturally a draw, like they're drawn to confidence, right? People are not going to be drawn to you if you're super introverted and hiding. Now that doesn't mean you can't sell if you're an introvert. Okay. Because trust me, I I'm like basically a loner all the time. So I get that. Um, but what I would say for you, and, and maybe this will motivate you enough is just like, you know, think about why you got into the business that you got into. Right. And I said this, um, actually to my six figure clients the other day, because we all, we all struggle. And, Sometimes we struggle to show up for our business the same way we would show up for like a nine to five or whatever, because we're like, oh, it's our business. We can like let it sit. Um, but the problem with that is if you think about why you got into what you're doing, okay, you got into business because you have this burning passion and skill to help and impact hundreds and thousands of people, right? If you truly just wanted to make money, you could go get a job. No one's stopping you, right? But you chose to do this. And I think for me on those really fucking hard days where I really didn't want to show up, I really didn't want to show my face, I didn't want to be vulnerable, I was like, this could be the one day that somebody hears this and that sticks with them. And it was always those hardest days that felt so rewarding. Um, I don't know if you can relate. I know you went through a lot last year as well. And I feel like you were pretty open about a lot that you had to go through. So, I mean, I don't know. I think that you can't really have rainbows without, you know, thunderstorms as cliche as that sounds, but I think that people need to see kind of all of that and the clients that are struggling the most with landing sales in the DMS are always the clients that are not being vulnerable. I swear to you, it's like totally connected. Yeah. I also think that like, I mean, for you, I see it because I'm obviously on the back end because you speak so vulnerably publicly and also not even, it's not even just about vulnerability there too. Like you just show up and speak and people feel like you're actually talking to them. So people already feel like you're a friend and they feel comfortable. Like the amount of people that send you voice notes blows my mind. You have so many friends in the DMs. I think, and I, I really do mean like legit friends, like you're always checking in on them and stuff like that but people feel so comfortable talking to you because of the way that you show up in your content publicly 
I think it's about being candid, right? Like you can even remove, you can change the word vulnerability for just being candid and being you because one of my clients said this today, actually in Slack, she goes, Taylor, you've said it a million times and it finally clicked. If I just be friends with everyone, I make more sales. And I said, yeah, that's literally what happens. And you know, it, it's, I, I don't, Truly, y'all, I mean, seriously, if you are somebody in my DMs and you're not a client, I mean it when I say this, I don't even know if I want to work with you yet. I want to see if I could be friends with you and then maybe we can talk about business. But honestly, for the amount of like intimacy that I have with my clients, like the level of coaching that I, I have with them, even in like FCA, I am with you every damn day in the trenches. And if I don't vibe with you, then... I don't even want to take this a step further. So, um, you know what I mean? But I'm with you. Like, voice memos are my thing. Um, so, I love that. I mean, yeah, I don't have anything else to really add on that. But I think that if you are struggling to get that engagement that you want, and by engagement, I don't mean comments and likes and shares. I'm talking about somebody responding to your story saying, damn, I felt this. Then I would encourage you to just take a look and be like, all right, am I showing the real me? Because, like, Taylor at a show with her friends is the same Taylor in the DMs, literally. There is no difference. It's also how I'm with my team. I'm not like showing up to meetings like, okay guys, here's the agenda today. Like, no, I'm very chill and laid back and maybe some people wouldn't vibe with that, but those people aren't on my team, you know? Yeah, if you're lucky enough, Taylor will send you her uh, uh, Spotify playlist. I'm like, what are they called? Yes. <laughs> Okay, I will Taylor do that. My playlist and DM. So, <laughs> yes, get my spot. Have you my? Yeah, just uh, DM me emo if you've gotten this far, and then I'll know exactly what you're talking about. Um, that's the code word. Just DM me emo. I'll know what's going on. We'll send it your way. Um, okay, what about you? Give me, give me something that is a sticking point that you've noticed in the DMs. We've talked about sourcing. We've talked talked about the traction between content and DMs. What are you seeing with maybe like the coaches that are scaling to their first million? Why are they getting stuck? Is there a problem that you're seeing there? Uh, I think people aren't consistent. I think that's a big part of getting stuck because you'll get into either like a launch phase or you'll just be really excited about talking with people. But I feel like truly it always comes down to just consistency with it. And I feel like that's something you're really great at is just staying consistent. So you haven't seen like really any declines. If you've just been on this upward rise for a really your entire business, <laughs> not even, I mean the whole freaking thing, but you've just been on this upward rise because you've been able to stay so consistent. So I feel like that's just the big thing. People get bogged down with other projects happening or building team training, all that stuff. But in reality, you can't drop the ball with something that's sales related. Um, and I mean, that's something that I say to my clients all the time is that I'm in a role where you can very clearly see the ROI. So it's important to like stay consistent with a role like mine so the business can grow and everything. So I feel like that is truly it. And um, if you can stay consistent, like in your sales process and all the work that you're doing towards that day to day, week to week, month to month, you're going to continue to grow or even just stay stable between all the other chaos of your business. I think a really uh, a sticking point that I see with coaches that are scaling to whether it's, you know, 60, 70, just all the way to that million dollar mark, right, is there is this, you said consistency, and I'm trying to think of like the best way to articulate this because it's kind of a two part, but they they 
think that what got them to their first 30K month is going to get them to their first 60K month. They may not say that out loud. Okay. Like they won't say that because logically we know, you know, what got us here won't get us there. We know this, right? But they think that if they're like, yes, they're making new offers. Yes, they're adding new funnels, but they're not changing their intensity in the DMs. And here's what I will say. Here's why I have not used ads. I did not need to run them because for me, it was all about turning up the volume, right? When you have a good sound system, right? You've got sourcing down, you've got nurturing down, you're consistently like getting some leads in the door, whatever. Then it's about, okay, how can I turn up the volume? Does that mean hiring a setter, hiring a closer, training a sales team? How can we turn up the volume and making sure you have a solid, this is like another issue, having a solid system before you bring in a DM person? Because if you suck in the DMs and you have no system, please do not tell me you want to hire somebody. I'll let you, have you, please just tell me, have you been in someone's DMs? You're like, oh fuck, this was a mistake. Yes. Because I'm like, (laughs) sometimes you get hired for somebody and you're just like, wow, there was no system in place before I got here. And now I'm trying to build this system, but I'm also getting no support really, um, from the CEO. So I've definitely, that's why I'm now very selective (laughs) about who I work with. Hopefully none of my past clients are listening to this, but (laughs) I feel like that's why I, I mean, I told you that when we started working together, I'm very selective. I only take on one, maybe two clients at a time for doing anything sales related. And I only take on people who have a solid sales system already. Um, just in my experience, I've gotten hired on and those roles just don't work out long-term because the money's not coming in to support paying that role. But I've gotten hired on, um, to people who don't have a sales system that is actually producing results. They might have a system in place, but it's not actually working. Um, And they think that by hiring someone to come in and actually just execute on the system will produce results, but that's really not the case. Um, Whereas like for you, you were already being able to do this well on your own. You just needed to free up some time. So you just needed people to come in and execute on something that was already working for you. Um, So that's like the big thing you have to learn how to do it yourself first you might hate it but you got to figure out how to do it on your own and get those results also so you can mentor your team to do it too you can hire a company to come in and things like that but in reality you're the one that knows your business best and they're just gonna have to come in and collaborate with you see and that's something that i'll say um man i just there's this project that I'm working on, Sam, and I have to tell you, but I can't tell you on this podcast and I'm super stoked for it. So like, this is the biggest teaser <laughs> tonight at five. Just kidding. Um, no, but this makes me, this is, it'll all make sense after this podcast. Sorry guys. But that is one of the issues that I see is my clients will like hit their first, you know, 10 K month and then assume like, okay, I need to go hire a lead person. And there's, there's, there's client A and client B. Client A is the person who had a really good in-person community and they filled their roster really freaking fast and kind of on accident and they really are not in the DMs, okay? Client B is the client that built a process and can now take that process and pass it on to somebody they hire. So I've worked with, you know, like obviously you, and then I've also hired like agencies thinking that they had their shit together more and that was not the case. Um... I've also worked people prior to building agencies, right? So I'm not shit talking agencies, but I'm just saying that 
whether it's an agency or a very reputable source, if they come into your business, even if they have systems, they are adopting your methods, right? So they're not magic workers, right? Like they're not going to totally like, if you have no leads, do not bring somebody in and expect to all of a sudden have a shit ton of leads because what's going to happen? Like your content is still falling flat. You're still not resonating with your clients. Like that's something that they cannot fix. So the reason, and like you said, I, I love that like my team, we're all kind of like learning from each other. Like, yes, I'm obviously like, you know, directing, setting goals, things like that. But, you know, we're always learning. We're always adopting new ways. We're always like kind of tweaking things, trying out new things um, to make sure everything is moving forward. And I mean, you can say like, how often am I in the DMs? Every day. Right. Maybe there might be one day out of the week. You're like, I didn't make it in because I had calls, but. Not all day, every day, but every day. day. (laughs) Like (laughs) that stupid real sound is all I can think of right now. Um, Yeah. Like I'm in my DMs every day and I don't say this because there's so many business coaches that are making seven figures plus that you probably follow on the internet that are telling you that they like are never in their DMs and here's how to scale a business, never touching your DMs. And I'm here to tell you that is literally impossible. Like Mm -hmm. it is totally possible to sell without sales calls in the DMs, but it is not possible to just not be in them, right? Like that is like, that is how you make money on social media. You have to talk to people to land sales. So I don't understand like where that even came from. Uh, But I do like to be totally transparent that I hired a team to crank up the volume. And the one thing that I don't really do anymore, and I haven't done this since I hired is I don't source anymore. There are occasions where I stumble upon a page and I'll send a message. But that's the one thing that I did outsource. But I'm nurturing the shit out of people. I'm throwing applications out. I'm getting calls booked. Like, I think that um, for me, it's just important to kind of be in the weeds, so to speak, with my team. I think it's like important as a leader to kind of be doing the same things. Uh, But that's just my take on it. So um, I think that a lot of people forget that you you are serving people in your business and you also have to like serve them before they even get in there a lot of people want to be totally removed from the process or you know like you were saying people are people say don't dm me or i'm not in my dms and things like that but it's really like how do you expect to actually serve people in a longer term capacity if you won't even give them a little bit of you know, who you are and your energy and things like that before they decide to invest or join your community or whatever it may be. I also think because it is, I hate using the word saturated, but I mean, the two most saturated industries are, you know, for online are fitness and business coaches, right? Like they're popping up all the time. And so because there is more saturation, you have to continuously stand out. And I cannot tell you how many people have told me that they've gotten more help from me in the DMs than their coach that they hired. And like, that's just sad, right? Because I definitely, I don't wanna say I'm like, you know, free coaching galore, but I'm definitely giving business pointers and tips and all of that. So that somebody feels really comfortable and says, all right, Taylor's given me so many freaking nuggets. I feel compelled to hire her. Um, I know a lot of my clients will, especially as start, people start making more money, they start getting greedy with information. Like, well, I don't wanna give away my best stuff for free. And I'm like, no, give more shit away for free. Yep. I mean, I don't know if you have any, any things, any thoughts to add on that, but like give your best shit away for free. 
for sure. I think that there's a lot of people out there who think that they're, I think they get cocky, honestly. And they're like, oh, I already have clients coming in. Or, you know, there's some people who are already working with me. I don't need to like give all this information away. If you want it, you have to pay me. But it's like, how, how do you invest? I always come back to that. Like, how do you invest? I want to know a little bit about somebody before I invest. I want to have a taste of what it's like to work with them or, you know, just like, to be able to see the journey a little bit for myself before I decide to go in and do anything with them. So you have to kind of remember the humanness side of the sales process and investing. And remember that like people want to talk to you. You don't need to talk to them all day, every day, and you don't need to give them, you know, hours worth of free coaching or anything like that, but just do like the, the little things here and there that you can to really show them. And also I think a lot of people, worry about the greedy side of sales and stuff like that and the, the money side. And there's just folk, so focused on the end result instead of the nurture. If you change your mindset to focus on the nurture, that will instantly improve your sales process. 100%. So if we move into kind of like problems that we see and solutions, right? Like let's start out with kind of like the getting your first like six figures. Okay. Um, how do you coach somebody to make DMing a habit? It's just a non-negotiable thing every day. Just like you wake up and you brush your teeth, you know, maybe you can't be in there as long as you would like to be every single day, but at least make something, you know, some amount of time, a non-negotiable for yourself and figure out where the moments that you can fit it in. Maybe you have a really hectic day, but I'm sure you can find 20 minutes a day to add something in. Maybe it's right when you wake up or right before you go to bed. But I feel like just making that time a non-negotiable is super important in the beginning stages. Do you have any tips to make it fun? Make friends. (laughs) Find people that you enjoy talking to. Um, But I feel like if you are actually like building those relationships with your leads there, um, that's just going to make you excited to talk to those people. I know you're scrolling on Instagram wondering how you could ever become an industry-leading online coach, right? It's not like anyone taught you how to build a business, okay? But making 50K a year at your nine to five isn't exactly living the dream. Between the Sunday scaries and counting down until the weekend, you know you're meant for more and something has to change before you break. I've got the proven formula to build you a profitable and scalable online coaching business so you can live the life you've always dreamed of. And it's going to happen in 14 weeks. Fitness Coach Academy is the ultimate coaching container to give you a step-by-step roadmap to go from zero to 5k months. Using my signature ASM method, we teach you how to quickly fill your roster and match your salary, if not double it, so you can put in your two weeks. And look, I know building a business feels super overwhelming, right? Okay, but with me as your personal coach, literally, you get support from me daily. Someone who's built and scaled hundreds of successful online fitness businesses, you can't fail. Steal my marketing techniques from an Emmy award-winning journalist, that's me, and watch people sprint to your application. And listen, we even coach you for free until you make your return on investment. So there's no risk when you join. And look, results are typical here. This program is for the go-getters ready to play big. It's for those who are tired of others calling the shots, stuck in a miserable nine to five because it feels safe. 
And look, we're all results and no BS here because you don't have time to waste. If you want to become an industry leading coach, impact thousands of lives and create total financial freedom, book a call to see if you're the perfect fit. I know there are tons of other coaching programs out there and maybe you've tried one, but when you join Fitness Coach Academy, you get me as your personal coach and mentor every day and step of the way to hold you accountable, troubleshoot, and celebrate your first 5K month. Decide right now that you deserve more and book a call. We'll go over any questions or reservations you have. And we've helped hundreds of coaches start and scale their businesses all the way to multi six figures. And it all starts with the decision to dive into Fitness Coach Academy. So I'll kind of give, I have like two kind of thoughts on this. So the first thing is I'm going to take a page out of Atomic Habits. It's a book that I've read probably four or five times at this point, like in the last, I don't even know, six, seven years. But um, if you haven't reread that book or read it at all, or read it at all, I mean, definitely listen, uh, listen or read it, whatever your, you know, preferences. I'm a big audiobook fan, but there's something in there um, that's kind of like, it's called the two minute rule. So I think it's, it works really well because what I see is people hold themselves back. Like when somebody is forming a habit, right? Like you have to, you have to like make it fun. There has to be some kind of reward. And so whenever I, you know, coach somebody to creating a new habit, like they're not used to it. And so getting the DMS for an hour a day doesn't make sense because they're, they can't even do five minutes. So it, the two minute rule basically is set a timer for two minutes every single day for like seven days. And I want you to use that time and source. Maybe you find one source in two minutes. Cool. Great. Once you do that for seven minutes, you're going to think to yourself, okay, I found seven leads in or whatever in, you know, 10 to 12 minutes. This is stupid. I could do this for longer than two minutes a day. And then it becomes easy because you've seen instant gratification in 120 seconds and it becomes so much easier to see the rewards. So that's kind of a tactical approach. Um, that's how like my brain works. Um, and then in terms of making it fun, I really like to pair DMing with something that is already, um, well, this might be backwards if you're just starting out. So I hate getting my steps in, like hate it. Like I really suck at getting my steps in. So anytime on the treadmill, I DM because I like DMing because I make money. So now I associate getting my steps in with making money. And so getting my steps in now feels a lot easier. So, you know, maybe for you, you can watch your favorite TV show after you've been in the DMs for 20 minutes, or maybe you go get your favorite cup of coffee from your favorite coffee shop and sit down and DM with it. I, I used to actually do Sunday morning rituals when I was working my full-time job still. And I loved Sundays because I didn't work and they were uninterrupted. And so obviously I was trying to build a business and I am a coffee drinker. So I would, you know, make a cup of coffee. I would get a little reading in or whatever. And then I would sit on my couch and I would just like make friends on the internet. You know what I mean? And when I was in a relaxed state, not pressuring myself to sell, mm -hmm. I put out that vibe. And that's why I'm joking about the treadmill thing because like I'm, I give zero fucks. I'm just walking and talking and sending voice memos. And a lot of people are like, damn, glad you got your workout in, girl. Like it just brings, it's so light and fluffy that like people are like, oh, cool. Taylor's cool. She's chatting me on the treadmill. So I don't know if you have any like thoughts like that. I know I went into depth on that more, um, more so, but I find that people often are like, okay, well, I just can't show up, right? Like that's always the issue I see is like people in the very beginning stages, they can't get to 10K 
or even 5k because they just physically can't do the act of doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that two minute rule is really helpful. Yeah. I'm a big fan of like what you were talking about, the habit stacking, like walking on the treadmill and uh, responding to DMs and talking to people there. I feel like that's an easy one. And I think it also comes down to like, how much grit do you have? We have so many students who have families and they're stay-at-home moms and they just have all this stuff going on and there's always a kid by their side or maybe they're a student in school and they're working two jobs and still building their business those people have so much grit to just say you know what like I'm gonna stay up an extra 20 minutes tonight and make sure that I get my dm time in and you can make all the excuses in the world why you can't do it but I promise you you can find even 10 minutes a day to make time to do something that progresses you towards your sales goals and selling your offers and things like that. Um, you can really do it on minimal time if that's all you have to start out with until you can get that money to maybe supplement some other job that you're doing that's taking up a lot of time and kind of bump up that hourly rate that you're technically making. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the, of the habit stacking and just making sure that you put your blinders on and have that grit just to show up and do it every single day. Agreed. And grit and your ability to work for longer periods of time is a muscle you have to exercise, right? So I am somebody that can quite literally, like I'm not, I'm not a fidgeter. I could sit down for like long periods of time and I'm unfazed. And oftentimes that my watch is like buzzing, telling me like to stand up and stuff. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got one more caption to write. But, you know, I find that people sometimes will say, okay, well I did, you know, I worked today for two hours and I had to take a break. And I'm like, okay, well we need to work on that. Like our stamina, right? So, you know, just keep in mind that there's, we have to learn our work style, our weaknesses, our strengths, all of those things. Because when you have a nine to five, you're, it's mechanical, you know, you show in, you clock in or show up, you clock in, you leave, you clock out. Like you don't think about it, right? You're, you're grumpy all day. You're not loving, you're not feeling fulfilled is my point where when it all of a sudden becomes you, you have to be not only the CEO, but the best employee in your business. And oftentimes what I find with an issue for my advanced coaches moving to that million dollar mark is they're now not tracking KPIs. They're not keeping up with their lead tracker. They're not checking their team's performances. I mean, I've literally had people that have hired me and they're making 10K a month and they're paying their team six grand. And I'm like, who let this happen for you, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's gonna stress you out, but you need a business coach. And then you're like, well, fuck, how am I gonna live on 2K a month? And so I just think that like, I'm kind of tangenting a little bit, but it all comes back to the DMs because it's really all about how you operate, your efficiency, your work ethic. Like I'm truly that person that even in high school, I would like fall asleep on my calculus book doing homework. And my, my friends would be like, you're going to burn out Taylor. You're going to burn out. You do too much. And like, I'm 30 years old and my friends still tell me the same thing. And I haven't burned out yet is my point because I've always done things that I loved. And so I don't know, like, I would love to know for you, like, what are some issues that you're seeing um, with the solution, like a problem and solution you're seeing for these coaches that are kind of like finally expanding um, and hiring teams and kind of moving to that higher mark? 
Yeah, I think a big one is making sure that you're still involved in the process a little bit or you're involving yourself in the process at least some of the time to stay fresh, to know what's going on. I think that if you have your team, like give your team like too much independence. And I'm not saying like that you're, you know, like not micromanaging or anything like that, but you have to just still make sure that you're involved in the process in some way that you still feel like a teammate to them. Like, I feel like it's, you know, when we're in there, like it's all of us together, you know, what's going on. It's not really a thing necessarily of us always having to update you on what's going on or you asking questions, like, you know, what's happening. So I think maybe that is the big thing is you have to know what's going on all the time without your team having to tell you, but you don't need to micromanage the team either. You just need to be a team player alongside of them. As you grow, like you mentioned before, you hired a team to help you step it up, not necessarily to take it away. And so I feel like that is a huge reason why you've seen so much success there. Um, And I mean, we've said this before in the conversation too, but don't just go to outsource it completely. You still need to be involved because without the money coming in, you don't have a business. You have to focus as a business owner. You still have to have your hand in the um, revenue generating activities of the business. I agree. So I want to ask you a few questions. This just kind of sparked a few that I'm thinking of as somebody who has been in other coaches DMS, right? One question that comes to mind and I'm, I'm talking with these, these six figure earners scaling. Tell me how challenging it is. If you've worked with a coach that is constantly coming out with new offers and trying to sell them. It it, it makes your head spin. <laughs> it makes you a little bit frustrated because you're just like, oh, I just caught a groove. And, you know, there are some businesses that do really well with new products happening and stuff like that. But when you're constantly changing, your team can never actually see if what they're doing is working for them because there's no consistency in the role. Like I know for you, we've even talked about like, oh, let's try this for 90 days and see how it goes. I feel like that's a great marker to try something and see how it works for for the team and just stick with a routine for a while to give them, uh, give your team the chance to get integrated in something, try things, learn the things on their own. Cause there's some things you just can't teach your team. They're just gonna, gonna have to learn on the job, but I feel like you have to give stuff a chance. And that's why I said earlier, you have to have those stable offers and those stable foundations as you scale in order to be able to do it sustainably. And I just feel like that is huge to not throw your team through the ringer. And that's kind of what I said earlier too, about how you have to have the systems in place when you bring people on so they're not brought into chaos and they're able just to integrate in something that's already there i find that there again it's like when when coaches get to that point where and i usually see this around the 30k mark when coaches kind of get stuck um it's when i got stuck as well um and I've never been on the opposite side of it, right? So like if somebody is stuck and then they just start creating new offers, like all these courses and whatever else, like what does that look like when you're trying to sell it to somebody, right? Like, do you feel like there's just this disconnect? Like, I'm just curious. Like a disconnect when there's just a bunch of different offers. Yeah, with like people in the DMs, like, you know, prospective clients from like that coach's end, 
how are you troubleshooting that? Like, or is it just really hard to navigate and ultimately sales reflect that? It feels like you're constantly having to educate people on like what you're actually doing or the value that you're providing. Um, You might say, oh, have you seen us talk about this or something like that? And they're like, no, I have no idea. And then on top of that, they don't know what it is. And then they're not primed. Whereas if you're consistent in your offerings, when you bring up something, they will most likely, I feel like I know, I know that's what happens with us, but we say, have you heard of this? They're like, yeah, I've actually heard of it. And I looked into to it. I'd love to chat about it more. And it's like, we opened the door, but they were already ready to talk about it in a way. Whereas you don't want to open the door and then have to prime them and educate them on the offer too. So it's, it just makes your life easier. If you keep your offer suite really simple as you're starting out before you've truly built a name for yourself. Um, cause I mean, even for you, like you've built a name for yourself, but you still have so much more to go to be like an, like a, very like wide known name in your industry. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's always like the sticking point for me that I've noticed with, um, some of my clients and I have to kind of like remove them from this shiny object syndrome. And so that's why it's like, I know how it feels as the coach, like coaching clients not to do that. And so Mm -hmm. for you, you're kind of on the receiving end being like, why are we doing this? Um, you know, or, or have you ever worked with a coach that is constantly pivoting and not like refining or up leveling their marketing, or I'm going to start coaching this or something like that, but like truly like, you know, every three to six months, they're like a different person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it, it's just very confusing for the audience. Then you end up with all these people in your audience that like aren't interested or you can't really serve anymore. Or I just, just in general, it leads to a lot of confusion and the more consistent you can be, the better. I mean, there's that saying that someone needs to hear something seven to 12 times before they've actually heard it. And also if you're using organic, you know, social media content to nurture your audience, they're probably not seeing maybe like 50% of what you're posting, maybe 25% of what you're posting either. So there's just a lot of layers to it in the sales process and being on social media and going the organic route. And, you know, is someone on your email list? Do you even have an email list? Are you someone chatting with you in the DMs? Like, what capacity are they seeing you? So there's just a lot of layers to it. And the more consistent you can be and rock solid that you can be, the better chances you are going to have of selling people. For sure. I mean, there's, there's literally a million little nuances we can go down, but I think like to kind of tie everything together so far is, you know, whatever level you're at, the key to scaling and hitting your first million is not ads and DMing hundred people per day. It really is about just getting better at your sourcing, getting better at your nurturing, getting better at overcoming objections. And you know, if you need a podcast on overcoming objections or sales or all of that, I've definitely got those podcasts, please go listen to them. Um, but I really just think like, you know, define what kind of business you want. And if you don't want to hit seven figures, that's also cool to say, right? But if you're trying to build a six figure business or any kind of business and bring in sustainable income over time, you're going to need to build a sales funnel that actually works, right? Um, Okay, so I've got some rapid fire questions that I want to do with you and just kind of see what they are, which can I kind of go back and forth. So do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I can go first. Okay. 
what does this mean when it says biggest DM sale? <laughs> oh, my biggest DM sale. Um, I had a 25K sale in my DMs one time. Oh, okay. I was like, what do you mean? Like about five? Sam is reading my notes on a Google Doc. <laughs> what does this note mean? <laughs> yeah. What is yours? What is your biggest DM sale? Um, I think the biggest one that I've ever sold was $15,000. For... What was your biggest day in the DMs? Oh, maybe for my own business personally, or like within anybody's business. Your business. My business personally, probably, I don't sell anything super expensive. So I think so maybe probably, somebody else's, I don't know. Uh, I would say for mine, probably like $8,000 in a day, but for somebody else's, I've done a $50,000 day in their DMs. That's wild. Yeah. And it was only a $5,000 program. So it was like 10 sales in one day. And I was like, nice. it, I mean, it's a launch and it was, it was crazy, but it that was, I mean, I thrive off of launches. I love launching. I think it's fun. <laughs> launches are fun. Yeah, I my record cash in one day from the DMs was I think it was like 52 or 54. And I was at the airport. I remember because I was like going home for Christmas. And it had been such a shitty month, not like with sales, but like personally it just wasn't a good month. And I was like, all right, all right, bitch, get, get your shit together. We're gonna sell. Because that's what I do when I don't when I have like a shitty week. I'm like, go fucking sell prove who you are. And so I was just like, <laughs> I don't know why I do that. So anyway, I had like a 50 plus K day and I was like, all right, a bitch is back. We can, we can have fun now. Um, but anyway, I don't know. I think like that sounds so silly. And you're, somebody's probably listening to this being like, okay, like, haha, but how? And again, like this wasn't a 50 K day, like day one of my business. I was, you know, two years into my business at this point, two and a half years um, with proven offers, proven concept. But also I think people really forget that they have the power to sell. That's like the biggest piece of advice I can say is like, if you want to go sell, you can, you literally can. Mm -hmm. And if you tell me you can't or how it's because there is some belief within you, whether it's bad money mindset, you don't think you can, like, I know this sounds so cliche, but like literally y'all, if you believe it, it happens every time. But if I were going into a launch and I was like, yeah, I'll set this big goal, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like it literally won't happen if I don't think that it will. Right. So, okay. What's the weirdest objection you've gotten? I was thinking about this while you were talking and I honestly, I don't have anything super crazy, but I think the weirdest thing is when someone's like, well, like, I don't really know if I want to pursue my business. And I'm like, what? Like how, how did you even get here? <laughs> so that one always blows my mind when people are on the fence about starting a business. I'm like, you can't be on the fence about it. Like you're never going to make it. You have to be one of those people that's like, I have to do this. This is my passion in life, or this is my goal. Like I've had this for a really long time, or I'm just super driven about this. So I think it's weird when people are like, I'm just going to start a business one day. Like that's not how it works. So <laughs> I had a girl tell me that she couldn't start because she had to, her cat groomer was too expensive. You know what? I'm glad that she really cares for her cat, though. That's really refreshing to see in the world. <laughs> and in case anyone wants to know, she never signed up. So there's that. <laughs> Maybe she got another cat that needed the expensive grooming. It was just like, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I can't think of another like objection that's weird. I get I get all of the normal ones. And I also want to say just because I, I have a, a seven figure business like y'all, I get objections on the daily like that doesn't go away as you scale your business. You just get better at overcoming them. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, you wrote this one for me. Yeah, I just wrote, what do you do when someone gets weird that you're a business coach? Like people are always like, oh, you're a business coach. And I don't like, they just don't know how to feel talking to you. It's almost like they're intimidated and so scared you're going to pitch them or something. So this is usually when I send a voice memo or I'll type it out and I'm super blunt and I'll literally be like, I will flat out say, um, cause sometimes when people usually say this, they're usually kind of rude about it. Like, Hey, I see you're a business coach, not interested. Like it's like, it's always something super aggressive, which is fine. I totally get it. Um, but I usually say like, Hey, like, no, like totally hear you. However, I don't even know if I want to offer you a spot. So like we can both chill at the same time. And usually they're like, Oh, LOL. Like I kind of like punch them back, you know, like you think that you're invited yet. You're fucking not, you know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds so harsh, but I really do think that people vibe with me because of my sarcasm and my bluntness in the DMs. And if there's also somebody that I think is like a really great prospect, but I truly just want to get to know them to see if we would work well together, I will very early on be like, hey, I know that I'm plagued with business coach in my title. Um, sorry, I just really wanted to like chat with you about XYZ. Um, like I reached out to somebody recently like yesterday who had a reel and was like the song that he was playing was like a song that I would listen to, like not some mainstream real thing. And I was like, I don't care who you are. I know you're a coach, but I just have to be like, yo, I saw them at a show a few months ago. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and now the conversation's flowing back and forth and there's no pressure. And because there's no pressure, we can talk about business faster. You know what I mean? So yes, it's a selling tactic, but it's also just the reality of it is like, I don't invite anyone into my program just because you can pay me doesn't mean I want you. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, it's not even just something that happens to business coaches. Like it just goes across anybody who is selling through Instagram. Like people are so afraid of being sold to, but like back to what you said, you don't even know if you can help them. You don't know if you want to work with them yet. So when people assume that it's kind of like they're jumping the gun first. And I, I, I love how you always handle those situations. Cause it really just turns into something funny where people are like, Oh, I was a little dramatic there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's always it's always like a dramatic thing. So I try to be like, yo, chill, bro. We good. Um, okay, so we posted um, like a question box. So we're going to go over some questions. Um, Sam, I'm going to have you answer these. So how do you transition from like the nurturing process into like sales? Like how do you get the conversation going? Mm-hmm. There's a couple different ways. I mean, I kind of like going just the more blunt route. I always say, don't be afraid to 180 the conversation into a sale um, or into pitching because if you've already nurtured the person, you have a good conversation going, it shouldn't be too awkward to be like, hey, we've been chatting for a little bit. I would love to chat more about this and just open the door there. You don't have to say you know, too much. You can just say a little bit, give them a soft pitch as I like to call it. Um, You can also try and lead the conversation into talking about that through like, okay, like after hearing what you said about XYZ, I would love to chat more about this. Um, But I think 
the big thing is there's going to be a million different ways that you can transition into talking about a sale. But the thing is, don't be afraid to just bring it up. It's not going to come in smoothly most of the time. Like rarely does it ever come in super smoothly where someone's like, can you tell me more about this? Or it just organically comes up. So a lot of the time, you're really just going to have to add that twist in the conversation 180, redirect it into being able to give your soft pitch. Um, and I always like to do permission-based selling where you ask, do you want to chat about this more? Or I would like to talk about this more because it definitely feels very mutual rather than just attacking somebody with like a hard pitch in the DMs. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like it's very rare that somebody's just going to spill their guts about their problems. And so if I've got a good flow in the conversation going, I will just flat out say, Hey, I really loved chatting with you. Um, I'll be, and I'll say, I'll be honest with you. I really would love to work with you. Uh, can we talk about what that would look like? And people are like, oh my God, same. You know what I mean? Like, or it might be something that's less blunt, but like, you know, hey, um, love chatting about that. But TBH, can we talk about the launch that's going on right now? Give me some details. I nerd out about business. Like, I definitely say that kind of stuff a lot because based on if you've built friendship and you're watching their stories, you're going to know what's going on in their business. And there's probably, or, or, you know, their fitness life or whatever. And there's probably some like, you know, uh, kinks that you could work out. So I think the biggest thing I can say is like, even though I give sales scripts and I know a lot of coaches do, I really encourage my clients to not memorize and go off the scripts because humans cannot be scripted. And so you need to be prepared for things to take longer or speed up faster, or there to be a 180 you didn't expect. You know what I mean? And I think so many people want the DMs to be so calculated, like how many per day? How do I do this on Monday? What should I like? It's like, just chill, honestly, like have fun, be yourself and the selling will happen and it, and it will happen faster and faster over time. But you constantly wondering how to be perfect is only preventing you from selling. Mm-hmm. Yep. I totally agree on that. Okay. How do you stop getting ghosted? Talk to me about opening liners. <laughs> how to stop getting ghosted um I think a lot of it is like making sure it goes back to the vulnerability thing also not everyone's gonna want to be that have that type of relationship with you but I think a lot of it goes back to opening up yourself first being personable first not being afraid to share things first is a big one like if you want to get an answer from somebody about something, share your perspective or your thing first to be able to make them feel comfortable sharing theirs. I think just like that is a huge part of it. But like if you're constantly just like asking, asking, asking somebody for something and never giving, they're not going to want to respond to you. They feel like you want something. They feel that very like desperate, hungry energy from you. And so I think it just really goes back to that strong nurture of like, being a friend, being vulnerable, building that relationship first. And that's going to really lower your rates of being ghosted. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And also I want to just say, you're not going to have a hundred percent response rate. Like everyone gets ghosted and being in business, you have to have tough skin. People will say no, people will ignore you. People will block you for no reason. Like move on. You know what I mean? And I, I know that's easier said than done, but if you are somebody that is a people pleaser, try your hardest to work through that on a very real level because 
whether it's people in the DMs or your clients not getting results that they want and complaining and giving you bad feedback, like, you know, everything you do in business from your KPIs to serving your clients to how you show up in the DMs, whatever, like you're going to have feedback on so many levels, right? And like feedback is to be felt, but not necessarily fed and not all feedback is constructive feedback. And so like, just make sure you're looking at everything from a non-biased lens of like, okay, I hear it. I see it. Can I do something with this or do I throw it away? Right. And I think that that's the, the best thing I can say is if you send DMs and you're getting ghosted by everyone, then yes, I think we can conclude that you suck at, at your opening line, right? Like there needs to be some work there. And then on the opposite, if every time you pitch, people say, no, not right now, then you're not pre-qualifying well enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like find the kinks in your process, but the average time it takes from new lead to sale is generally eight weeks. Can it be faster or slower? For sure. But on average, and if you're expecting a turnaround time of seven to 14 days, you're sadly mistaken. Think about your own buying habits. Think about your own responses. Who do you respond to? What do you not respond to? Right. And ask a ton of questions. If you're just like, hey, cool profile, I would not respond to that either. Yep. (laughs) You know, like, nope, you're going to be left. I think we've covered pretty much all of these. Um, The only one that we didn't talk about, I think, at least earlier was at what point should you offer a sales call without just selling in the DMs? I know a lot of coaches don't always do sales calls anymore, myself included. So um, what are your thoughts on that? I would say you can offer a sales call if you feel like there's somebody that will actually buy somebody who's not just going to like waste time to, you know, just have a, some time to chat with you one on one, but someone who feels like a really hot lead and you know that having the call would really help them move towards the sale. Um, but that's why I, I'm not like a fan of offering it to every single person. I think it's just those people who have really shown interest, really asked questions, and they just really need that reassurance of talking to you face to face. I try to work through them on that sometimes because it can be a slippery slope. Like if a client is like, I just really want to talk to you. I just really want to talk to you, but I've been going back and forth for weeks or even months, sometimes in the DMS, sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is this really about? Right? Because the way that I like to position myself is I don't do sales calls for FCA because I need to spend all of that time with my paying clients, right? Uh, I do sales calls for six figure and obviously private, but I don't do them for FCA. And that was a really tough decision for me when I first decided to do that. Um, honestly, cause I was like, Oh my God, there's no way I'm going to freak out. Like there's no way I can do that. I feel so bad about it, but truly like I want to make sure that my clients get the creme de la creme of my attention. And so that's also why I'm very heavily in the DMs to make sure that somebody really knows me, feels good with me. So usually a person that feels like they just need to talk to a coach has been burned before or has, there, there's some like mindset blockage there usually, right? Because we can talk about pricing the DMs. We can go back and forth. I can know your entire life story before I hop on a sales call with you. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just really, um, and then I know some coaches, this is not me personally, where they don't even have a sales call team. They just like don't do sales calls. Like it, they're straight DM sales. And I think that's a very interesting model. And I kind of love that for them. But um, 
Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's like two parts of that because there are definitely times where I also think to myself, okay, if I pass this person off to a call and they spend 20 minutes, is it worth me landing the sale? And obviously the answer is like, yes, but I'm also going to challenge you to work through those objections. And I think pre-qualification is like such a huge thing that people kind of suck at sometimes with their application, with their questioning. Um, maybe it's the journalist in me, but I think it's like, you know, getting people to open up requires you to know what you want them to say or need them to say. And it's reverse engineering the conversation, right? So if you're just going with the motions, it's really confusing. But if you're like, I need them to open up about X, Y, Z, what can I say to move the conversation that way? That's how you need to think about selling. That's how you need to think about the DMs. And that's where you go from taking messy action to making fucking bank, like in your DMs. You know what I mean? So um, any other thoughts you have on like final questions or that you've gotten or... Um, I don't know anything else you want to say on dms yeah just the thought that i had as we were talking if anyone's listening to this podcast that, well there's going to be people listening obviously but if you're listening to this hey, podcast, yo, if you're listening listen up <laughs> If you're listening to this podcast episode, you're probably feeling like you're struggling a lot in the DMs. And I just want you to know, it's really not as complicated as you're making it out to be. It can be very simple. And I think a lot of it comes down to just some foundational stuff with you. Like, are you actually doing all the daily things you need to in order to see progress? Do you know what those things are even? Do you know what you need to be doing daily to move the needle forward also are you checking back in with yourself to see what's working what's not working i think a lot of people were can be like oh i spent the time but it's like you're not actually digging deeper to know if it's working or not so i think you know if you're here and you're listening to this then i want you to just go back to the foundations of dming and sales and just check out do a self-check on what you're doing um because I said it a million times, but it really is simple and it can be very simple for you and you don't need to overcomplicate it. There's no like magic secret or place to look. It's just a lot about doing this, you know, doing the work every single day. Yes. I want to end on that. I was like, yes, agreed. Doing the doing and the, the last thing I'll kind of add to that point is the only thing that is ever going to hold you back from getting from point A to point B is always just more education, right? Like educating yourself. And so if you're listening to this and you've never had any training on DMs and you still haven't invested in that skill set, like now is the time, right? I, I think it's, it's, and this isn't a pitch to hire a coach. It's just the facts. Like anytime I've been stuck in my business, I'm like, okay, what skill set am I lacking? Who can I hire? What can I invest in? What book can I read? Whatever, right? That's going to give me answers to move forward. And I think that we so often just fall short on the education aspect and we don't have the sales foundation. I mean, my background wasn't sales either, right? Um, but, you know, I've definitely spent plenty of time learning sales. Um, and it's only made me a better coach and a better, um, just a better person in general. Right. But I think, you know, like you said, doing the doing, being open and honest with where the cracks are in your business and in your foundation, because 
it's really easy to be like, no, everything's fine. And just like glazing over it. But at or some point you can't. Victim. Sometimes you'll, the people play the victim and be like, nothing's working. But in reality, you're just looking at it from an emotional lens instead of looking at the facts and just make it like it can sometimes doing the doing is really just black and white and you don't need to involve all the feelings in it. You just need to put your blinders on and like do the work every day and not be afraid to ask yourself those hard questions too. Anytime somebody's ever said nothing is working, it's there, there's no KPIs to be found. Yes. <laughs> so I don't even know how to assess that. Um, but yeah, all right. I've linked everything for Sam in the show notes. If you guys want to connect with her, you can find her there. Um, but I really just wanted this to be, you know, an open, honest conversation about DM strategy. And like I said, the bottom line is there, I don't want to say there's no secret. It's not even that. It's just like, once you have the foundation of what you need to do and you understand how it can work in your business, in your niche, then it's all about magnification, right? But you first have to master the belief in yourself, right? You have to change your beliefs to change your identity. And if you're somebody that is like, I've always been poor, I'll never have money. I can never do what she does, right? Then you're never going to make it to the second part. This is the, this is actually my like framework for coaching. If you guys are, are not familiar, but the second part is building that authority, right? So standing out in a saturated market. Okay. And then the final part is magnification and just expanding, but you can't even get to magnification if your beliefs suck. Right. And so I sometimes find that we can't even get off the ground, let alone talk about making a million dollars if we can't just do the doing and build those habits. So take a listen to this one. Um, make sure you take some notes. I think it'll be one that you can definitely get a few aha moments from anything else, Sam. I don't think so. Peace out girl scout. <laughs> I want to give you a virtual high five for finishing another episode of the Taylor DeHaze podcast. Love the episode? Share it and tag me on Instagram. Have a question? My DMs are always open. Until next time, bye y'all.